Welcome to the Mind Your Performance podcast. I am your host, Shay Lum. At Mind Your Performance, our vision is that every human being believes they are possible. Quoted, I am possible, every human being is the vision. You are the leader of your life. You are the orchestrator of your life. I'm so excited to welcome you here into this space, into my world of personal growth and development. This space is about building a powerful mindset. It's about personal growth and transformations, mindset shifts, mental performance. It's a space of deepening the inner work of who you are, about breaking down self-limiting beliefs so you can elevate you, becoming the person that you've always wanted to be. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You are all welcome here in this space. I hope that this lights you up. I hope it sparks a fire. I hope it elevates you and elevates many aspects of your life. And if the podcast has helped you in any way or you believe can benefit someone, please share this and help me spread the word and amplify this beautiful message to the world. I am so honored to have you join me in this space. Welcome. And as always, in everything you do, mind you. Hello and welcome back to another. Pe- oh. <laughs> this happens. This happens. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Performance Podcast. I am your host Shay Lum. I'm so excited to be here today. I just wanted to jump on here and talk about fear and waiting. So this literally, I was just talking about it on my stories today, just right now, and I thought, you know what, let's just jump on the podcast. Let's just share this in a 10, 15 minute podcast, a, st- a story, a couple of stories that I want to share and in terms of my personal experiences, but also from what I've observed, but also what this means if you are, if you can resonate and if you can relate, because I have been here and so many of us, so many of us sit there waiting for the right moment, sitting there in fear, too scared, too afraid and not believing in ourselves. So, all right, let's get started. So I want to start off with a story. I want to start off with a story. So I used to work in the corporate space. So I had, I've worked in the corporate space for over a decade, all different companies, uh, over four different companies in financial institutions, including both public and the private sector. Now, I remember years ago, I was sitting opposite this lady. So I was sitting opposite this lady and she was lovely, like a lovely lady, really, really well liked in the, in the company, in the office. And she was a little, she was an older lady, was a grandmother and I loved her grandkids, loved her children. And she'd always like bake a cake whenever it was like any of her team's members' birthdays, right? So I remember like having a chat with her. So in the, in the few years that I was there at the company, towards the end, I had actually resigned. But prior to that, it was about three, four years of ongoing restructures. So if you if, if you are right now working in the office, so this is probably, um, you know, you probably understand this, but just for others' sake, a restructure is where they start, you know, restructuring the whole company. And that means that some people will, some in some cases, people lose their jobs. And so they start like, you know, redundancies and all the sorts. So what happened was, you know, the first couple of years, I remember the first couple of years, I I would remember I would really stress it'd be my first time kind of going through a restructure. You 
get this kind of org chart and then you knew that your role was either not going to, it was literally in the new kind of structure that they were proposing, either your title, your role was no, no longer existed or the fact that it was, you know, it meant that there were changes in the organization either way however you were affect, impacted it really did affect you and I, I I found myself the first time going through it I was really terrified I was really scared because I had a lot of um commitments or I had a mortgage I had I was yeah there was like really scary and obviously you know for any family members for anyone that had obligations and had children it is a time where it's so much uncertainty and you don't know what's going to happen next. And it really is just a kind of a waiting game in, term, in terms of what happens next. You go through a different proposal stages and then once the um, structure is finalized, you kind of go through a process of whether, you know, your role's impacted, your role doesn't exist anymore, um, whether you had to move around different teams or, you know, applied for a different role, you had to go through a whole interview process or whether your role was gone. And if you did work there for a longer time, you would have got a payout in terms of redundancy or either if you didn't, if you went there for a long time, it just meant basically you were gone. So I remember being in just so much fear because I had no idea what was happening. And this is the first time that I had gone through it. Now, I remember a few years later, it was a lot more familiar for me. I kind of worked through like managing my stress around it. I was okay about it. I was like, it just, it just happened year after year. Sometimes there was like two restructures in a year. And so it was quite common. And for me, I think I came to the point where I had realized that I kind of knew what my bigger vision was. So I knew that my time wasn't like it really didn't impact me. Um, and really towards the end, I was waiting out for my redundancy, but I never got it. That's a whole nother story that I'm going to talk about. I might actually cover in here. So let's go back to this lady. And I remember having conversations with her. And so during a restructure, during a situation like this, there are, there are two types of behaviors that you see. One where people are like pretty at ease. It doesn't stress them out, right? And then on the other side, it's like, complete stress, complete overwhelm. What are they going to do? It's complete panic mode. And then it's flight or fight mode. And it's, they're waiting for, they're waiting for something to happen, waiting for a redundancy, waiting to get their payout because they've been there for a long time. And depending on, you know, what the circumstances they're in. So I feel this lady, I remember chatting to her and, you know, the conversation was like, oh, like, how are you feeling? And I remember she was so stressed and it was a Friday afternoon. So it was a Friday afternoon. We're all getting packed up and getting ready to, to leave. Had a chat with her. I was standing there inside my like cubicle and she was on the opposite. And, you know, she just said, oh, I'm, yeah, like I've been waiting for, I'm just waiting out for the redundancy. Um, and it just means I can like spend some time with my grandkids. And it just means I can go on this holiday that I've been wanting to go and I hadn't, I hadn't been going. And, you know, like, she was healthy she was fine but she seemed to be so she was stressing out and she'd been waiting 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 like waiting to go do these trips and she hadn't done it waiting to travel and get on like get into a caravan and, and travel Australia and she'd been waiting to do these things and so you know I said oh, and then after we had a chat and then she asked how I felt and I said oh like I'm fine I'm like you know what's going to be it's going to be like I'm Either way, I'm fine. Either way, I'm fine. 
Um, and then, you know, we left it at that. And then I was like, I'll see you. I'll see you on Monday. And she's like, I'll see you on Monday. So what happened next was crazy. It was really insane. And I think, gosh, I'm getting emotional even just thinking about it now. But I came back on Monday. I came back on Monday. And oh my God, it's so emotional. I feel like I'm going to cry. I came back on Monday and there was an email that came out to all staff, like all staff in there from her manager. And I hadn't actually logged into my computer yet. And someone had said to me like, someone like her, she wasn't there at at her desk. And so someone said to me, oh, do you know what's happened to so-and-so? And I was like, no. She was like, have you seen the email? I was like, no, I haven't seen I haven't seen the email. And it was really sad. So basically it was she had passed. She had passed over the weekend. She had a heart attack. She had a heart attack. Um, you know, obviously her and her husband were sleeping and she died. She died in her sleep. She had a heart attack and she died. And... It was just, it was so like surreal in that moment. It was so surreal and she had passed away and I had spoken to her on Friday and it just felt so bizarre. And we'd exchange and said like, I'll see you on Monday. Like as if, you know, I'll see you on Monday as you would. And there on Monday, like she wasn't there. She was no longer there. Her desk was empty. And so it was such a surreal moment because my last conversation was with her was the fact that she was so stressed out. She had been waiting through this restructure, just waiting so that she can get paid out so that she can go and travel and get in a caravan and do what the, she was, what she's had wanted to do, spend time with her grandchildren and all of these things. And for the past, however long she'd been waiting for this moment. And it just, it was absolutely surreal and because she just loved baking cakes for everyone, like when it was her team's birthday, she it was someone's birthday on the Monday and she had a cake baked ready to go. And it was, I, I remember feeling like, I, I, I think I was so stunned at the time when I read the email, thinking of my last conversation that I had with her on Friday, saying that I'd see her on Monday. And then seeing that email and then her desk was empty and I was just observing and I remember like not immediately crying. I think I was just in so much shock. I was in so much shock. It was only until later that I was in a team meeting that I literally, you know, as we're going through our check-in, like how we're feeling, what's going on. And I just started like crying in my team meeting. Like I was in tears, just crying. They're like, what's wrong? And I was like, so and so passed. I just spoke to her on Friday. It's so like I, I can't believe I'm feeling like I I'm so emotional because I'm like it's so surreal. It's even right now like I can bring my belt self back to that feeling and that day and how emotional I was. And I didn't realize how emotional I was. I was like, well, I really need to take a moment. And it was wild. And when I think of that, I was observing and on that day it was just really eerie. But then the next few days, what was so like on the day that on the Monday, her desk was packed up. So someone had come and like cleared her desk, right? So they'd come and like, it was all, right. it was all happening in front of me. So her desk was cleared. And then the next few days at work and, you know, I was sitting with like sales consultants. So where I was sitting was with sales consultants. So there'd be phone calls to customer service all happening around. So you always hear the phones, people talking to customers 
and then I'm observing and it's like the next two days by towards the end of the week it was like nothing had happened it's like this lady that was there on Friday on Monday she was gone her desk was cleared and the next few days and it just felt like the world just moved on like it just moved it just moved on for everyone and her life was gone and she had spent time just waiting to do the things that she wanted to do and she spent the last few months stressing about what this restructure meant for her hanging out for something that may or may not have come which is was a redundancy and so that observation and that just it was so eerie it was such an out out of body experience and and I still sometimes I go back and think of that and um and it reminds me so much to never wait for anything. And this is what I talk about the fear and the waiting. It's like when you're waiting for the right moment to do something, when you're waiting for when you have that spare and extra money on the extra income to do something, when you're waiting for when you are actually ready to do something, you know, whether to take that holiday, whether to invest in yourself, whether to start your fitness journey, whether to make a change, whether to actually lean in to go and see and get help and get support and get a mentor and get a coach. And if you're waiting, constantly just waiting, right? It's like your life is going to pass you by and you have no idea. Like if you know that you are, you want and you desire to do something, move, move. And I, I can't stress this enough because that story stuck with me but years way before that I've never ever met more of a person that was terrified of moving that was so so stuck because of fear that held them back so terrified so scared so scared of failing so held back and then stayed in the same place that was me that was me before I actually move the way that I do now. My life is so different now. But where I was, I had so much fear inside of me. And that was based on a lot of mental constructs. A lot of the things came from when I was growing up. A lot of the things came from, you know, like my cultural background, the expectations that were that were projected on me, a lot of the things. And therefore, like I had a lot of fear. I had so much fear that actually eventuated into like my adulthood and stopping from doing a lot of things. And so for a lot of years, I just lived in fear. I lived in fear. And I remember there are pivotal moments, pivotal moments in my life where literally fear overcame me that I would I would just stay stuck and there was one there was one time this time so university is such a big thing especially in the Asian background at least back then and my parents are refugee parents so you know there was this whole thing that I felt obligated my I felt obligated to live their dream. And it sounds crazy now, but at the time it didn't. I felt I owed it to my parents. And sorry, this kind of lot of gaslighting behavior was there, which I recognize now much years later in my adulthood and going through like um, therapy in my adulthood years. But back then it felt like the right thing to do. And all these things where I felt like they had sacrificed so much for me, I had felt like I owed it to my parents. And I remember specifically always saying and believing it because I've said it and I believed it. It was just like, I owe it to you. I owe it to my parents. I owe it to my parents. 
you know, they moved here for me. So I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And I remember like, it was, I felt like going to university was literally life and death for me. That's how it felt. It sounds insane, but it felt like that, especially from an expectation from where, how I grew up. My, particularly my dad, my mom was like chilled. My mom was chilled, but my dad, my dad was always like, how can you not, if you get to university, how can you not, how do you not choose it? How do you not choose it? Like, you know, I didn't get to university. I didn't finish school and you have the opportunity. Why wouldn't you do it? So, you know, and I don't blame him because he did what as best as he could in of what he knew. And then there's a lot of things that aspects come from this as well, that like from his, he only knew from what he knew, which was from my granddad. Now, when I, I'm, I'm talking about like the fears that I lived through. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I really need to do this. And so for me, it was life and death. And I remember finishing, I remember doing at the time, I don't know what it's called now, but at the time it was basically your exams, your tertiary exams in order to get into acceptance to university. And so I had gone through the whole of year 12 and, you know, you'd have to get like two years. So do you year 11 and year 12 and do across like at least eight to 10 units, something like that to qualify to get into university and accepted. And I had done every single assessment, everything right up to the last minute, right up to the last minute before the exams had happened. I had literally fear just happened. Like fear just overcame me. And I said to mom, like the exams were coming. And I said to mom, I said, I can't sit these exams. Like I can't sit them. And mom's like, why? And I was like, I'm going to fail. And if I fail, like, that's it. Like I won't get in. And like, that's it. And I remember she said, like, she said to me, and I still, I didn't go with her because she, I just, she said to me, Shay, if you, if you don't sit them, then you've already failed if you don't sit them. And so I didn't sit them. <laughs> so I didn't sit them because fear overtook me. And I thought, I'm so terrified of failing. So I'm not going to sit these exams. So I went through two years, didn't sit these exams. And all of my friends in that year went on to university. So I was a year behind because I didn't sit. Because I was so scared of failing that I was more prepared to not sit, sit these exams and stayed back a whole year. Can you believe it? It sounds hideous. It sounds hideous. And so I remember I moved out to a different school and then I went back and I completed my exams. I had to like, and that set me back a year. I sat my exams and guess what? I got into university. <laughs> But I, the, the crazy story about it is that the fact that fear held me back so much that I actually ran away, avoided it and stayed back a whole entire year because I was too scared of actually failing and it felt like life and death and it wasn't life and death. And this is the most craziest thing that sometimes fear can truly overcome you and it's like you run away because that's what if you succumb to fear. You run away, you avoid it, you escape it. You don't want to actually confront it. You don't actually want to acknowledge it. You do not want to move with it and actually really dig deep and understand what that fear is coming from and how true are those fears? How true are those fears? Like what kind of reality is it, right? 
And so that's one of my stories, how it held me back for a year. And that's only to do with like university. And it was, it's hideous when I think about it, look back at it in hindsight. I also, I also am really thankful of it because it taught me a lot of things. It taught me the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, what, like if you, if you did your exams, you failed, that's okay. You would have just gone back and do it again. However, I chose not to sit the exams, sat in fear, decided that, it was more easier to avoid it to sit back for a year and then really don't really to me that was a fail anyway so I might as well have done it um and then when I did it, it was all fine and I actually ended up with the vice chancellor's award which was end up in the like the top one percent in that year and that was crazy like insane like it's so insane how fear can hold you back if fear can hold you back from some from like thinking of the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario, instead of thinking what potentially could really happen here and the possibilities of the thing that you desire can happen for you, right? So those that, that was the crazy story. And I think like I really look back and reflect and I'm so thankful for those moments of observation when I saw that lady waiting and just spent her last few months stressing and she had no idea what was like ahead of her and she had no idea that she was not going to come back on Monday and I never would see her again even though I said I'd see her on Monday morning and it's so surreal it's such a reminder that honestly like whatever that you desire whatever that you think and you think waiting is going to help you and you really want it and if you are in your life at the moment that you've got things that you want to do you've got things that you want to pursue you've got changes that you want to make in your life and you you still feel like you need to wait really check on that really ask yourself like what are you waiting for what are you waiting for like is it a true story that you're waiting for the right time when is the right, right time? When is the right time? And really ask yourself that, right? Ask yourself, especially if there are stories, if there are stories why you feel like this isn't the right moment, right? Waiting for when you have that spare and extra money. Like when have you had spare or extra money? And the thing is, if something really means so, so much to you, if something is really a priority for you, if something that is really, really, I mean, like important to you it's not about having spare and extra money it's actually about sacrificing on other things and luxuries and actually prioritizing that sum of investment because you actually want a better life you want a better you're better you want to improve your health you want to improve your physique you want to improve your mindset right those are priorities that's not when you have spare and extra cash and then if you're waiting for when you are ready Ask yourself the question, when do you feel as if you're ready? And when you've ever done anything that literally got you out of your comfort zone and that you are proud of, was it when you were ready? Because it's never when you're ready. Like I know this to be true, that when I've done things, it's never because when I'm ready. It's never because I'm ready. <laughs> and because of in year 12 I was waiting for myself to be ready to actually do these exams I was never ready and I figured and I, instead instead of actually thinking that I was never ready I just thought I'd just run away from it so you know you are never when you think that you're ready especially when it comes to 
especially when it comes to your transformations, especially when it comes to improving certain aspects of your life, like your body, your health, your well-being, your mindset, your mental health, especially in this, those spaces, you are never ready. And this is the truth of it. You are never ready because you are where you are right now, which you are, you know, in some way not satisfied with where you are in terms of your health, your wellness, your well-being, your mindset, you're not, you know that there's more, you know you can be better and you want to improve, you're not going to feel ready. Like feeling ready to work on those things, it's like saying, all right, let me just wait until I feel like I'm more fitter to actually hire a coach. Let me just wait until like I start eating healthy to be, to actually work with a coach. Like it makes no sense. And the thing about waiting for when you're ready, I remember this from my very first boss and he was a great boss. He taught me so many things, so much. He taught me so much and it stuck with me. Uh, I was like 20, I think I was 22. I think I was 21 or 22 and it stuck with me for life. And I remember I such like I, I still am and I am getting so much better now, but such a perfectionist for me that's like one of my biggest things because if you are a perfectionist you'll probably understand this if you're a perfectionist you are literally like just just waiting for things to be perfect for it to to go right before to send it before to to send it like it's got to be perfect and if it's not perfect you're like oh and you kind of procrastinate because you think you can just have more time to make it perfect and I remember working in strategy um, business development and my boss um and I remember, I remember my boss, he said to me, he said to me, when you are trying to be perfect, when you are trying to perfect this, especially in business, especially in business, if you're waiting to be perfect, but this is relates to whole entire life, really, right? The market has shifted. The market has shifted. So you're waiting for things to be perfect. You're waiting to get to 90, 100% on this report or whatever, right? By the time that you actually deliver and execute it, like get, get, get it ready for it to be executed, the market would have shifted, right? It's too late. It's too late. So it's like understanding, you know, when is it go time? So is it like 70, 70, 75%? And it's like, cool, I'm happy with it. That covers a lot of the things, right? Let's just go. And then that way, let it go and see what you come back. You can perfect it, you can refine it, you can get it, you can improve on it. And that's the same thing with a lot of choices that we make. We're waiting for things, we're waiting for ourselves to be ready for it. It's like, at what point are you 100% ready to be like, yep, I'm all in now, let's go, right? It's your commitment to be all in. But you don't have to wait for yourself to be completely ready, to feel like ready to, to actually do, to actually make a change. The fact that you know and you desire, you want it as much as you don't feel great now, but you know that the gap between now and then, and that's what you're working towards is to be better, is to improve yourself, then you are ready. Then you like, you need to, even though you feel like you're not, like make that decision to move, 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 because things would have moved already. And in, to apply this to yourself, right, the market would have shifted already by the time that you're ready. It's like time would have passed anyway for you. Time would have passed by the time that you said you are ready. It's like five years later, 10 years later, right? And there's this kind of misconception, this denial and this kind of thing that we avoid as human beings. A lot of us feel like we have 
like all time. We have our lifetime is literally limitless. The thing is, it's inevitable that each of us will have an endpoint. And it sounds so like morbid to talk about this, but this is like how I sometimes actually take myself, get myself grounded is sometimes when I start stressing about so many things and I feel overwhelmed and then I feel like there is so much to do and I feel like I'm rushing or I feel like I'm scared or fears holding me back. I'm asking myself all these questions that I spoke about earlier is one. And the next thing I, I actually I actually have said this to my friends before and it's more that we have a laugh about it, but it's true. It's actually true. And I have no problems actually talking about it is that one day I'm going to die. One day I'm going to die. It's not if, it's when. Like, I will. Also, the fact that I don't know what that moment is. I have no idea when that moment is. So if I don't know when that moment is, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could be next month, it could be five years, it could be 50 years. I don't know. So if I know the fact that I'm going to die one day, what kind of decision am I going to make right now in this moment, in the present moment that I can make decision? I can't make a decision in the future, nor can I make in the past because the past is gone. The future has not existed and the future will not exist because the only moment that we actually ever live in is a moment now. So if I know that to be true, that one day I will die and I don't know when, what that day is, can I actually bring myself to be in the present moment that I can make the decision right now for myself? right? That's the only certainty that I have. And so I always say when I have fear, there's fear inside of me. I'm like, are you serious? And I kind of like have this kind of like banter in my head. I'm like, Shay, are you, is this going to kill you? Are you going to die because you make this decision? Like, are you going to die really? And that really keeps me humble and really helps me when I kind of take myself literally to the closest proximity to death in my visual self. It sounds morbid, but this has worked for me because it really makes me realize that my life, that our lifetimes here on earth is short. Our lifetime is short. We don't know how long it is. And so how much life can you squeeze in your lifetime? How much life can you create in your lifetime? And how much like, when I say life, you can squeeze in your lifetime. I don't mean like cram as many things in your life, but it's like, how do you want to experience life and be truly living in your life? How do you want to experience it? How do you want to experience your days? How do you want to experience your months? Like, how do you want to experience relationships? How do you want to experience joy and peace and love? And how do you want to experience like going after your desires and actually living the life that you truly desire? Because I truly believe that anything and everything is possible for every single person. And I know, and I know there's circumstances and I understand that there's going to be certain things in people's lives that makes it challenging, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible for you. There are there are things that are anything and everything is possible that I truly believe that and I truly believe that it comes from inside believing that you are possible. And so, yeah, so I just, I, I felt such 